Section 22 of David and His Friends. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Larry Wilson. David and His Friends, a series of revival sermons by Louis Albert Banks. The Universal Presence Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Psalm 139, 7 The paragraph from which this is taken is from one of those sublime and comprehensive pictures in which the Bible more than any other book abounds. Every Christian man ought to know it by heart, and thereby broaden his horizon and encourage his soul amid all the experiences of life. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou searchest out my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue. But lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? O whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall overwhelm me, and the light about me shall be night, even the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Whether the consciousness of God's presence brings us joy or sorrow depends entirely upon our own attitude toward God. If we are conscious that we are sinners against God, that we have broken the divine law and are under its condemnation, then the thought that God sees us and that our hearts are open and naked to his eye causes sorrow and terror. David feels this, and hence he prays for sincerity and genuineness. He closes his psalm by crying out to God in prayer, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any way of wickedness in me, and lead me into the way everlasting. That is the only possible attitude for a soul conscious of sin, for we can never hide from God. Men have been trying it ever since sin came into the world. Adam tried it in the Garden of Eden. In the shame that came upon Adam and Eve with the dawn of guilt, they tried to hide themselves amid the trees of the garden. But it was not possible, and a little while afterwards, the voice of God sought out Adam with the ringing question, Where art thou? And his answer was, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. He was not afraid of God's voice when he was doing right. So long as he retained his innocency, he rejoiced and was glad in the presence of God, and talked to God face to face. But when he had sinned against the Lord, fear came into his heart, and robbed him of his joy, and drove him into hiding. God does not seek out men and their sins in the spirit of a detective, but rather in the spirit of a loving father seeking to save them. 
Professor H. M. Hamill has recently retold a very interesting story of the conversion of Valentine Burke. Burke was a burglar, a very wicked man, and had been in prison for twenty years in different places. He had a hard face, and a terrible tongue for swearing, especially at officers of the law, whom he regarded as his natural enemies. Twenty-five years ago, Burke was in jail in St. Louis, when Moody, then comparatively a young man, came there to hold a series of revival meetings. One of the daily newspapers announced that it was going to print every word he said, sermon, prayer, and exhortation. Moody said it made him quake inwardly when he read this, but he made up his mind that he would weave in a lot of scripture for the paper to print, and that might do good even if his own words failed. He did it, and his printed sermons from day to day were well sprinkled with Bible texts. The reporters tried their cunning to put big, blazing headlines at the top of the column. Everybody was either hearing or reading the sermons. Burke was in the St. Louis jail awaiting trial. Solitary confinement was wearing on him, and he put in his time reeling at the officers when they came around. Somebody threw a newspaper into his cell, and the first thing that caught his eye was a big headline like this. How the jailer at Philippi got caught. It was just what Burke wanted, and he sat down with a chuckle to read the story of a jailer who had got into trouble. Philippi, he said. That's uh, way up in Illinois. I have been in that town. But somehow the reading had a strange look, out of the usual newspaper line. It was Moody's sermon of the night before. What rot is this? asked Burke. Paul and Silas, a great earthquake? What must I do to be saved? Has the Globe Democrat got to printing such stuff? He looked at the date. Yes, it was Friday morning's paper, fresh from the press. Burke threw it down with an oath and walked about his cell like a caged lion. By and by he took up the paper and read the sermon through. The restless fits grew on him. Again and again he picked up the paper and read its strange story. It was then that a something, from whence he did not then know, came into the burglar's heart and gave him a sharp thrust of pain. "'What does it mean?' he began asking. Twenty years and more I've been burglar and jailbird, but I never felt like this. What is it to be saved, anyway?' I have lived a dog's life, and I'm getting tired of it. If there is such a God as that preacher is telling about, I believe I'll find out, if it kills me to do it. He found out, away toward midnight after hours of bitter remorse over his wasted life, and humble broken prayers, for the first time since he was a child at his mother's knee, Burke learned that there is a God was able and willing to blot out the darkest record at a single stroke. Then he waited for a day, a new creature, crying and laughing by turns. Next morning, when the guard came round, Burke had a pleasant word for him, and the guard eyed him in wonder. When the sheriff came, Burke greeted him as a friend, and told him how he had found God after reading Moody's sermon. Jim, said the sheriff to the guard, you better keep an eye on Burke. He's playing the pious dodge, and the first chance he gets, he will be out of here. But Burke made no attempt to get away. 
in a few weeks his case came up for trial and through some legal entanglement failed and he was released friendless an ex-burglar in a big city known only as a hardened criminal he had a hard time for months of shame and sorrow men looked at his face when he asked for work and upon its evidence turned him away but burke was as brave as a christian as he had been as a criminal and struggled on seeing that his sin-blurred features were making against him he asked the lord in prayer if he wouldn't make a better-looking man of him so that he could get an honest job you may laugh at this but god answered that prayer in a wonderful way and the consciousness of the love of christ in his heart transformed burke's face until it became full of a benevolence and a gentleness that made people trust him when they looked him in the eyes not being able to get steady work burke went to new york hoping that far from his old haunts he might find honest labor he did not succeed and after six months came back to st louis much discouraged but still holding fast to the god he had found in his prison cell one day there came a message from the sheriff that he was wanted at the courthouse and burke obeyed with a heavy heart some old case they have got against me he said but if i'm guilty i'll tell them so i've done lying the sheriff greeted him kindly where have you been burke in new york what have you been doing there trying to find a decent job said burke have you kept a good grip on the religion you told me about inquired the sheriff yes answered burke looking him steadily in the eye i've had a hard time sheriff but i haven't lost my religion it was then the tide began to turn burke said the sheriff i have had you shadowed every day you were in new york i suspected that your religion was a fraud but i want to say to you that i know you lived an honest christian life and i have sent for you to offer you a deputyship under me you can begin at once he began he set his face like a flint steadily and with dogged faithfulness the old burglar went about his duties until men high in business began to tip their hats to him and to talk of him at their clubs moody was passing through the city and stopped off an hour to meet burke who loved nobody as he did the man whose sermons had saved him moody found him in a close room upstairs in the courthouse serving as a trusted guard over a bag of diamonds burke sat with a sack of the gems in his lap and a gun on the table there were sixty thousand dollars worth of diamonds in the sack moody he said see what the grace of god can do for a burglar look at this the sheriff picked me out of his forces to guard it then he cried like a child as he held up the glittering stones for moody to see years afterward the churches of st louis had made ready and were waiting for the coming of an evangelist who was to lead the meeting but something happened and he did not come the pastors were in sore trouble until one of them suggested that they send for valentine burke to lead the meetings for them burke led night after night and multitudes crowded to hear him and many were saved from their sins when burke died rich and poor came to his funeral and the great men of the city could not say enough over his coffin that is a sample of what the grace of god can do when a poor sinner stops trying to hide from the lord and repents of his sins 
and accepts forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Once give your heart to the Lord, and then the presence of God becomes your chief joy. The fact that God knows all your thoughts and purposes becomes your greatest happiness when with all your heart you are seeking to please God and to do His will. It is a terrible thing to live in God's world, where we are dependent upon Him for every breath of life, and where death may at any moment summon us before the judgment seat, and yet be afraid of Him. Make your peace with God tonight. How tender and compassionate it is of our Heavenly Father that He comes seeking after us to offer us forgiveness and peace. End of section 22